You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to the home day edition of the Locked On Longhorns Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at, at SportsGuy. Follow Cammy at CammyAG and follow the show Locked On Horns on Twitter. It's home day. And uh, I thought we'd start it off with something funny today, Cammy. That's talk perfect. All, let's talk about all the reasons why Texas, the state, not just the school, is better than Oklahoma. Okay, first, I mean, I'm sure we can think of dozens of these. Uh, first thing that pops in my head, does anybody ever say Oklahoma forever, y'all? Oh, and that just made me think of uh, that Friday Night Lights show. Yeah, Texas forever, was, man. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of songs um, about Texas that I can't think of necessarily that Oklahoma has, uh, specifically well, country. You just said it. Songs about Texas. Uh-huh. Sang by Austin, Austin native, Pat Green. Ooh, one of my favorites. If uh, you ever gone shopping, Cammie, have you ever seen a waffle iron in the shape of the state of Oklahoma? Um, No. But I bet you've seen definitely Texas. with Texas. Yeah, I've seen it at several hotels, actually. But you can actually buy that from a store, too. Right, but, but you know, it's, it's Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Can you tell me the nickname of the state of Oklahoma? Um, no. I don't think they have one. I mean, but I'm sure they do, but it's not popular. I mean, everybody knows what Texas, Lone Star State. True. The, the king of country music comes from Texas. George Strait. You know, it's funny is a lot of people, they want to bring up Garth. And I'm like, he didn't have 50 number ones. He was good, but there's only one king, and that's George. Yeah. Those are some. hits is what I would say Garth did, but George yeah, he had was some a hits. true. I think George is a true overall king of country, and I don't think anyone's close. And, and obviously, he's got the ranch right there in Georgetown, Texas. Right down oh, wow, I didn't know it was that close. I know he has a couple in Texas. Yeah, I know about, I know about the one in Georgetown or in that area. Uh, mm-hmm. So there, there's, there's that. Uh, where do they play the Red River rivalry? In Texas. That's why I think it's funny how they say neutral field, which I guess it is because it's closer in Oklahoma's direction. It's not too bad of a travel for them, but it's still in Texas. They don't have to cross that Red River. Into the barren wasteland that is Oklahoma, uh, it's it's right in Texas. So I, you know, I was just thinking about uh, talking about country music, obviously, because we both love country music. Mm-hmm. There's a band called Little Texas. There is. Um, I actually, that's from uh, my type of country days. Back, so, yeah, '90s country. Yeah. music. you know, back yeah. when it was actually country music. Yeah, I, I consider that real country because there's so many different terms uh, for country music these days, like Texas country, pop, pop country is what I call it, which is popular. Bro DJs, country. I prefer the 90s country. Bro country. Um, yeah, pretty much. Sounds like pop music. Cammy, why do we say y'all? This is my favorite one because it takes out the two worst letters, which are O-U. I get it, you all, y'all. I thought y'all. that was my favorite little saying to jab on Texas OU week, but there's a lot of them. There's a ton. There's a ton of them. You know, that was that was probably my favorite one because obviously the the OU and and we like to make fun of Oklahoma at 
any passing moments. Um, let's see. I know there's some more. We just mainly hit on the music ones, but that's that's a big that's a big one though. I mean, like music. I mean, because a lot of people associate Texas with country music. I mean, there's Texas mm -hmm. country. Uh, Pat Green, Josh Abbott Band. Uh, there were the guys from uh, Oklahoma, the Cross Canadian Ragweed. Yeah, they, they were big. They have a song about the guys from Oklahoma. Yeah. The the boys from Oklahoma. Oh yeah, the well, <laughs> boys actually sounds funnier than guys, so I almost gave them a little too much credit. Um, but you do know why Texas doesn't fall up in the Gulf of Mexico? Because Oklahoma sucks. <laughs> That one's pretty good. No, you know, it's it's funny. I know we like to make fun of it. and uh, I It's actually, all in good fun. We don't actually hate Oklahoma. We just uh, get behind the pure hatred of the rivalry, that's for sure. You got a mouse in your pocket? Because I absolutely hate the state of Oklahoma. <laughs> like, have you ever lived there? It's awful. No, I've never lived I, there, so I, I guess that's why. I lived there in a, a town called Durant, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. and, and the people that lived there got mad at me because I didn't say it right. It's Durant. I was like, that's the most hick way of saying anything I've ever heard in my life. Is mm -hmm. it Kevin Durant? Yes, it's not Kevin Durant. Okay. It's yeah. Durant. Uh, you know, I just thought it was funny. I wanted to have a little bit of fun on a Wednesday where we where we mock a little bit of Oklahoma. Uh, the, the thing I like to do is I like to find that picture of uh, Barry Switzer throwing Ooh, the horns yeah. up. I like to share that. Because uh, it really irks fans. They they do not like that. Horns up for peace. So is it not what he said when he? Uh, I, he, he took I the think picture? so. Yeah. Because uh, I think he was in. Yeah, he was in Texas, and a, a Texas fan actually helped him change his tire. So he got him to to throw up the horns uh, as they were. Uh, you know, I guess afterwards. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit though, Cami, about just before we go into our next segment, the Texas OU weekend. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on Longhorns Wire, but, like, what are some of your your favorite things about Texas OU week? Mine's interesting because when I was thinking about this earlier, the one thing I kind of um, get, I guess, for lack of a better word, I wanted to say the B word, um, get mad about the most is the early kickoff. But to me, that's like the tradition of Texas OU weekend on Saturday. You you just get up early, whether you're tailgating or not, whether you're going to state fair or not. You have to get to the game early, obviously, because it's an 11 a.m. kickoff. So I think that's one of the coolest parts about it. It's very rare for a rivalry of that nature to have that early of a kickoff. But it's just kind of their thing now. And I guess um, another obvious one, I guess, is 50-50 uh, attendance like right down the middle. Because you, you talk about or hear about all these other um, – People that go to games, they're like, yeah, it's about even attendance, but this one is so unique in the fact that it's literally split, split down the middle on the 50, and I think that's uh, one of the, I guess, coolest parts about attending that game. And it's even cool witnessing it on TV if you're not there. So um, those two probably, to me, are the most fun traditions. And the golden hat, I didn't even mention that at the end of the game. I like, even if we lose, it is really cool to see um, the team get excited passing that around. And then you have bragging rights with it because it's at the – it's on your campus, the winning team's campus, I guess, uh, for the entire next year. So hopefully Texas can get that back this year. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's on the campus. Uh, obviously, they let coaches like to have fun with it on social media. We see some of that back and forth between Jay Belay and, and coaches at, at Oklahoma. They like to do those things. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I thought, like I said, we'd have a little fun with, uh, with Oklahoma. But uh, coming up next, uh, let's get into some talk about Tom Herman and Gary Patterson's comments following the game. Uh, but first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Go, from the makers of the Built Bar. We have Built Go, which is it's all about energy. Uh, Kimmy, when you when you're feeling down, do you ever reach for that five hour energy? Uh, um, yeah, I, I I need that several times a day, <laughs> whether it's near me or not. Yeah, well, the, the, one of the great things about Built Go is it helps you break through that wall, whether. Whether you're talking about a mental wall, a physical wall, you just you need something to help you get going. It, it comes in these easy to take in a it's about an ounce and a half package. Put it in your briefcase. Um, you know, if you if you need it for presentation at work, your golf bag, because you you're you're gonna play 18 holes after work. And you need that extra energy. It's the best workout gel on the market. It's like drinking a monster. With a third of the caffeine and better results. Three delicious flavors. You got to check it out. Peanut butter honey. Chocolate coconut. Chocolate milk. Mint. I mean, you got all of these different, these three flavors that are great. You know, you get the energy. You get your B6. You get your B12. Let me just tell you, it's 10,000% of your daily percentage that you need. So, you know, it's going to help you go. So, go to builtgo.com use the promo code locked you're gonna get 30 percent off your next order just use that promo code locked and you get 30 percent off at builtgo.com all right tammy something that you've been talking to me about this week do you honestly think tom herman are you hearing I, him say some things and you're like, what in the world are you even talking about? Yeah, and honestly, it, it first started because I, I really was giving him the benefit of the doubt this year. I really thought uh, this was a year they were going to have some consistency, which we've already uh, jumped right into in their third game of the season. But it kind of started after the Texas Tech game when he spoke with the media uh, virtually that following Monday when he said, um, and I know you remember this too, and he said he thought the offensive line played better than I guess what they thought and I mean Tech was getting consistent pressure with a three-man rush so I was like what I mean I know you're gonna have your players back to a certain extent but uh, they did not play well that game and they did look better against TCU but obviously they had several other uh, issues I just felt like they were unprepared I thought they were undisciplined they had several mental mistakes the fumbles some huge drops the penalties I thought they got out coached in every phase so I guess you could say Tom Herman's broken um I do think it's tied to some type of inconsistency issues because there's just no excuse that you can get beat at home against an unranked team like that. Well, apparently, according to Zach Barnett of Football Scoop, that's the norm. He said it should be a surprise when a team loses uh, as a top-10 opponent or they are top-10 and lose to an unranked opponent at home. That's the new norm. That's the Texas – that's Tom Herman's Texas. And you know what I just thought of? In the preseason podcast we were doing leading up to this, we kept saying TCU is going to be that team that's going to be a spoiler. And I don't know why it looked the exact same. We kept saying Sam had his worst game against TCU. Uh, Patterson somehow always outcoaches Tom Herman. <laughs> so 
So it was just like you could have seen it coming from a mile away, but you were just hoping this year was different. I think Tom Herman uh, just showed, I guess, what type of coach he is. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be too hard on him because obviously this offseason has been more difficult than any offseason in the past. Uh, Truncated training camp, no spring ball. They're trying to install new offenses, new defenses. I'm not going to be too hard on him, but at the same time, it's this isn't new territory right. for Texas fans. I mean, when and and the the losses to unranked opponents. I mean, this was the sixth in four years. That's... Uh, they had a few in 2018. They had a couple in 2019. Mm-hmm. It seemed like Maryland the first two years, 17 and 18, they had that problem. Iowa State, another team that kind of like Gary Patterson's TCU football team gives this team trouble. Uh, We saw what they did against Oklahoma on Saturday. You know, these two teams are similarly built in Texas and Oklahoma. So it makes me think that that's going to be another one of those games that we're going to be watching going, you know, is this going to be another one of those games? Yeah, and I think – Talking, I guess, backing up a little bit about Herman and uh, being a coach at Texas. I think what uh, makes me think Herman somewhat has his back against the wall, obviously no one's going to really judge the COVID year, um, I guess, as you would any other normal year, put it that way, because the offseason, new coaching staff. But I do think his back is going to be against the wall because um, in reading about, I guess, Crystal Conte and what he looks for and what he's done since he's been at Texas, he's hiring these coaches, the best coaches almost, like, White, Schaefer, he's going to go out and get a coach that has a really solid resume who's proven they can win. And I think, I mean, football is obviously most of their revenue at Texas, and Del Conte is straight up said he, you have to compete for championships. And we've seen him relieve others, other sports coaches of their duties because they weren't, even though they consistently had uh, decent records or winning records. You just have to be able to compete for championships. And Herman keeps having these inconsistency issues. I don't think it's going to be a question whether uh, Del Conte wants to get rid of him. Yeah, no. Uh, I guess I mean, it's a matter of who's available, obviously. Everyone's harping on wanting Urban Meyer and things like that. And yeah, he's one of the best, probably, college football coaches in history, and he has a strong resume. But it's not, it's not easy to just go out and do something like that. So I think maybe Herman has about two years or so left, and then they might be able to pull the plug. I think the thing – the fan base wanting uh, Urban Meyer. I, I, I don't look at that one as, as even a possibility. I mean, yeah, he's a good coach, but what happens when stuff gets tough? Yep. Health concerns pop up, and then he leaves. And somebody else has to come in, you know. And, and sometimes that leaves him in a better position than when he left. But still, I mean, you know, how long would he be here? Two, three years? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he has the same thing up in – you know, Ohio State. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I don't know about that. I don't know that I think he has two more years, though. You think uh, he has longer or less? I, I think he has less. I think. Yeah. See, I'm trying to just give him the benefit of the doubt for the COVID year. If not, I would have been like, oh, this is not good. I mean, you're already having that transition with probably Owen. You're leaving in a year or two. So, team's going to look a bit different. So, what? They might, they might hold on to him. I think from a culture standpoint, I think the team loves him. I think he's a very motivated coach. Um, he's very disciplined, things like that. Um, the players really get behind him. But at the end of the day, it's, it's going to come down to whether you're, yeah, whether you're competing for championships or not. And there's, 
there's no reason the talent that Texas has had why they're not able to. Yeah, and it's not a Tom Herman only thing. We we saw it with Charlie Strong, same thing. Lots mm-hmm. of talent, couldn't do anything with it. And ultimately losing to a football team like Kansas is what got him gone. And, mm-hmm. you know, also the fact that he didn't have a winning season any of the years that he was there. Uh, I want to talk about Gary Patterson, though. He he was talking with media after their victory, and somebody brought up the uh, conversation of judging the conference based on Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, and he, he said that wasn't a fair thing to do, to judge them, say say that the Big 12 is down because of that. And, and, and it made me, you know, there for a second I thought about it, and I was like, most people that are dogging or downplaying the Big 12 right now is not because of Texas and Oklahoma. It was the fact that the Sun Belt, Sun Belt went 3-0 and against you on opening weekend. I mean, right True. then and there, we already heard it before Texas or Oklahoma even took the field. Everybody yeah. said, well, I guess, I guess the Big 12 is down this year, so it left zero room for error is the way I look at it. But, you know, it, and I know – Gary Patterson said, hey, look, they, they were a fumble away from being 3-0, and so don't mm-hmm. be down on Texas. You know, it was just one play here or there. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I just thought it was interesting that he brought that up, that we shouldn't judge it based on the two elite programs. But it's like that's what we do in every conference. Yeah, and I actually agreed with him, but to a certain extent. If I were him, yes, I'd be saying the exact same thing. But I think everyone can agree on the fact that if Texas and OU were good, the Big 12 has a much better app. And even for teams like TCU, if you can go in and beat a top 10 Texas team, then, oh, hey, you might get, a, you might get some more looks. You might uh, scoot up in the rankings if you're uh, qualified for that at the time or something like that. But I think everyone considers the Big 12 to be good or decent that year, whether Texas and OU are good. Um, hopefully that can change. Maybe there'll be several good teams within this conference. But uh, as of recently, there, haven't, there hasn't really been, and there hasn't really been a question of who's going to win the Big 12 this year or who's even going to compete uh, with Oklahoma to win that Big 12 title. So I think it benefits every team in the conference if Texas and Oklahoma are good. Yeah, it, it will benefit everybody. And I think moving forward, you're going to be rooting for an Iowa State, you know, a TCU. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're Oklahoma, you're rooting for Iowa State. If, if you're right. Texas, you're rooting for TCU to make you look better, uh, you know. Uh, but next, coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit about the college football playoff, Heisman voting, where is Sam Ellinger, and what is that margin of error for the Texas Longhorns in 2020? So the college football playoff, Cammie, let's talk about that, is Texas back, right? That's the running joke. You hear it every year. Every single year they bring it up. But – for whatever reason, regardless of how the previous season ended for Texas, they are always, always in the conversation at the beginning of the following year mm-hmm. for the college football playoff. It's always preseason hype is what I like to call it. There's a lot of preseason hype when it comes to Texas, mm-hmm. year in and year out. It doesn't matter who the coach is. doesn't matter who the players are. I mean, it's every single year. So before we even get into their outlook – my question for you is, should they have even been considered a preseason favorite? Oh, I, yes, I think talent-wise, it was deserving of that. Um, I think your biggest question marks probably to me, I guess. Um, and you can't even really necessarily use the excuse of them being young anymore. 
I think um, they're pretty developed and experienced. I think the new coaching staff was the biggest question mark. Um, obviously, you have pretty much the most experienced and uh, productive quarterback in the conference. So I think this year, and it's funny because I never really buy into preseason hype. I think this year I bought into it, and this is what happened. So uh, it's just, man, it's just a consistency issue. Just like TCU, we should have won that game. It's, and they didn't, it's, so. It's not I, just you, though. It's confusing, yeah. It's not just you. I bought in. I thought Mike Yersich, I thought Chris Ash was going to turn that defense around, that we weren't going to be seeing a Todd Orlando effort. And what are we getting? We're getting the same thing that we saw last year, the same thing that got those two guys, you know, fired, relieved of duty, whatever you want to say. That's what happened. And I think people saw those two coaches go to the wayside. Mm-hmm. And, and then they play in the Alamo Bowl against a Utah team who everybody expected to beat Texas. But the one thing that I have noticed in the three bowl games that Tom Herman has coached, he has beaten a much more, I'm not going to say talented, but more highly touted team. He beat a Georgia team mm-hmm. in the Sugar Bowl. He beat Utah, who was ranked coming in. Texas was unranked. They had a much better record. And – and he's able to beat those, and, and it's and even against Utah, it wasn't that they beat them. I mean, they physically dominated them. They destroyed them, yeah. And, and so you you look at that and you think, okay, uh, if I'm going based off results, because this obviously is a results-based business, right? And, and you look at what they did, there was no reason to believe that Texas wouldn't be good. Right. And and, and then this season happens, and they play Utah. 59-3, you go, well, we expect that. The hype gets football. even higher, yep. Right, yeah, I mean, you you know, I mean, when was the last time that we saw a preseason game like that? I mean – Or a whooping like that, yeah. You think maybe a 30-point swing or whatever for a team like that. We've seen it kind of against Rice and stuff, but yeah, that was just complete domination. When you could sit Ellinger at halftime after throwing for five touchdowns, I think you're feeling pretty good. Yeah, you're feeling really good. And then, and then you go play Texas Tech and, and – uh, for the most part, they took you behind the woodshed for most of that game. Yeah. Uh, See, it's funny because we should have lost against Texas Tech and we should have won against TCU. So I'm like, what is, what is wrong with this team? The inconsistently, they're inconsistent. And that's why I wanted to talk a little bit about the college football playoff. And, you know, I like we said, we bought into the hype. And mm-hmm. we thought, you know, this football – and I'm not going to say that they're completely out of it because they're not. I mean, this is – yeah, this they really are. It's a young season. And, yeah, not, think about COVID. Like, think about one of the best teams just suddenly having an outbreak. So, I, it's just you can't really predict anything this year. And I, I'm saying that, so not just within the Big 12. I think Texas is very capable of running the table in the Big 12. I'm talking about they need help from the other conferences at this point. So, uh, they need them to all beat each other, basically, kind of like the Big 12 is probably going to do. So, I don't think they have a slight chance with one loss. But it's still an uphill battle, so they definitely can't lose one more. I think the All-State playoff predictor had them at a 4% chance Ooh. to make the playoff. Yeah, very 4%. slim. Uh, what's interesting about that is the team that's undefeated in the conference only had a 1% chance better than them. Oklahoma State was 5 That was it. That, yeah, I just don't see them taking it all the way. I, well, I mean, they, haven't played. They, they honestly, and I was looking at their schedule, I haven't really played anyone yet. They haven't played the Kansas State yet. They haven't played the Texas yet. They haven't played the Oklahoma yet. So 
that's going to be um, a tough stretch of games for them. So this Big 12 rankings could look completely different when it's all said and done, starting with the Red River rivalry. I think I that's going to shake it up a bit. You could say the same thing about Texas, though. Who have they played? True. Yeah, exactly. You know, TCU wasn't expected to be very good this year, and especially when they were going into the season not knowing if they were even going to have Max Dugan. Mm-hmm. Uh, without Max Dugan, that's a completely different football team. I saw the the first half against Iowa State. Matthew Downing couldn't do anything, and so right. when I looked at that, he he didn't he he doesn't have that X factor like Dugan did. So, so you look at that, but then you look at Texas Tech, and uh, again they have a lot of athletes, but they're kind of built in a similar regard to Texas. They don't play defense. You know, they're going through the same thing with their defense mm-hmm. coordinator, Keith Patterson, and you know they're. You know, they're not happy either. So it's like it's it's a constant thing across the Big 12. We're seeing the same thing, Oklahoma. Um, so I think going into this football game on Saturday morning, Texas has to win this game to have any shot because I think you lose this football game, it's over. I do. I, I've been calling it a must win. And I don't, I don't say that term uh, loosely or often at all, but I do think it's a must win for Texas. They have to rebound. They can't lose two conference games in a row. Um, if they have any uh, higher goals than winning the Big 12 title, I think this is a must win. I think everyone believes that. And so I do think they're – and it's funny to me how Herman mentions uh, uh, having successful seasons like with the big pool game and uh, beating Georgia and the Utahs and things like that. But I think the players' ultimate goal is uh, to, to get a college football playoff berth. And it's really disappointing uh, having that much hype and being that high at, at one point or any point during the season within a top 10 team uh, you feel like those goals are really realistic. So when you lose to a team like TCU, you're pretty shattered. So they need to come out and rebound. And um, I wouldn't say necessarily have to have a dominant performance against Oklahoma, but they do have to win. They have to squeak by to win on this. And um, although that means Oklahoma will lose three straight conference greens, which isn't good for the Big 12 either, um, it's something Texas has to do. The main thing, and what, I, what I've been you know harping on, is the main thing is they have to win this game, they have to win out with their livelihoods. Because right now you have two – you have three football teams ahead of you. You've got to get ahead of two of them. It doesn't matter who's number one. And this Red River rivalry game I think is ginormous for Tom Herman's coaching career. I think um, people are throwing darts at him right now. I think he needs to to be – um, he needs to adapt a little better to how the game is going, I think. Um, I feel like he's a little too stubborn to his game plan at times. Um, I, like we mentioned, Roshan Johnson needs to be used more. I think he's the best overall running back. We'll see. But uh, there's been whispers that they really haven't even opened up uh, their playbook yet because they're waiting for Oklahoma. But when you're when you're down against TCU in the final minutes, that's when you got to get creative and uh, pull out all the stops. And I just feel like uh, they're playing not to lose at that point. So. I don't know. We'll see. I think he needs to get a lot more creative. I think uh, he certainly can't be out coached for a second game in a row. Yeah, that that's the big thing. And obviously, he's he's one and three against Lincoln Riley. Um, obviously, one two years ago, twenty eighteen, uh, as the quote unquote road team, uh, they went in there. Gosh, and, but Oklahoma almost came back. That was a literal shootout. Yeah, I mean, forty eight, forty five, Dicker. The kicker came through for him late in that game. Uh, but, yeah, I, th- I think this is a must-win. Um, and, and like you, I don't like throwing the must-win term out in week four. Yeah, uh, it's still so early, but it 
or game. Just because of the TCU loss, it literally makes this a must win. Especially because you think about, and it's scary because it's a must win for both teams. Like, do these two teams need any more uh, hype or storyline? I guess to make this game bigger, it's already big enough, and now it's big for I guess the worst reasons. It's a must win now for both, rather than uh, two highly ranked teams competing against each other. And it's a nationally televised televised game. The world's going to be watching. I mean, my nerves are going to be through the roof. I can tell you that much. That. That, that is for sure. All right, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast with Cammie and Patrick. And as always, keep it locked on. Hook them.